Welcome to the Life Church Podcast. We're broadcasting from Coralville, Iowa. For more information about Life Church, to watch a live stream, or to find a campus near you, go to lifechurchnow.org. So we're in the series, and uh, you know the Great Commission is very clear that the mission doesn't just stop with, last week we talked about sharing our faith, right? Like sharing the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. That's what we talked about last week. Uh, But it doesn't stop there. It's not like, you know, hey, I told him, I pointed to Jesus, now I'm out of here. That's not how it works, right? In fact, Matthew 28, 19, which is the Great Commission, tells us exactly what we're supposed to be doing when we're living our life on mission. It's one of our primary verses for this whole series. It goes like this, therefore go, so there's a command, and, and it's, a, it's command, it's not, uh, it's, not like a, a, it's not like if you'd like to, it doesn't say if you want to go, therefore go, if you're a follower of Jesus, therefore go, and this is what we're supposed to be doing, making disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We have been commissioned to go and make disciples. Too often we stop with a go, we, we stop with go, that's it, we just go, we tell them and then we leave. But the True commission, the real commission, is to make disciples. Now, a disciple doesn't mean that you know the Bible a lot, although I would challenge you and encourage you to eat this book. Well, not literally, but you know what I'm saying. Eat this book, right? (laughs) There's somebody already eating the book in the front row. (laughs) Uh, A disciple is not just simply somebody who knows the Bible a lot, although oftentimes a disciple does know his word. Disciple doesn't mean that you go to church a lot, although I would encourage you to do that on a regular basis. There's something about connecting with the rest of the body of Christ and and knowing that you're not isolated and alone. You're not just a follower by yourself, but you're a follower with a community. Being a disciple doesn't mean you're just becoming a good person. And nobody would argue that becoming a good person is something that we should do. Being a disciple is one thing and one thing alone. It's following and becoming like Jesus. So the question to ask ourselves is, are we becoming like Jesus? It's this idea of transformation. We're going to talk about that today. It's this idea of transformation. Becoming more like Jesus means I'm being transformed into his image. I'm becoming more like him. So today we're going to talk about grow, this idea of grow. Now, where we've been, we started out with connect is that you're building relationship with somebody, you're connecting with somebody, you are loving them, right? You're not judging them, you're not beating them over the head, you're not you know, doing whatever else you do that would run them away. You're trying to build a relationship with them, you're connecting with them, then you're serving them. You're, this relationship goes from friendship to, to family. You're inviting them into your circle and you're serving them. And then after you're serving them, almost without exception, there will be an opportunity to then share the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. And you'll have that opportunity. Today we're going to talk about growing. Now, today's message is not simply for those of us that are here and say, hey, we want to help other people grow. Like, I see that as one of my jobs, is to help others grow. But I also recognize that I, am not, I haven't stopped growing myself that all of us are on this journey of becoming more and more like Jesus. So the message today, don't, don't sit here and say, okay, I'm going to apply that for that person over there. The way to apply this message today is, is how is this happening for me? And as I understand how it's happening for me, then I'm going to be able to do that with those that I'm reaching, those that I'm trying to help make disciples, right? There's a problem with 
this idea of becoming more like Jesus, though, there's a battle with that. In fact, there's a huge lie out there, and many have chosen to believe this lie, or maybe many have not necessarily chosen to believe, but they've just believed the lie because it seems so rational, it seems so true, it seems so, so true to their experience. It's a lie that maybe you've heard told to you by your spouse or by a friend or maybe a parent has told you this lie. Or maybe a child, one of your children has told you this lie. Or maybe it's a colleague or whatever. But make no mistake about it. It's a lie that comes straight from the pit of hell. And this is the lie. You will never change. You will never change. You will never change. Don't raise your hand, but how many of you even this morning heard that lie? You will never change. And yet, the whole idea about making disciples and being a disciple is about change. So what is true? What is true? Is the lie true that you will never change? Or is it true that we are to become more and more like Jesus? Maybe that's the battle. In fact, that's really where the rubber meets the road for us when we decide that we want to become followers of Christ. Like if you're here this morning, you said, I'm committed to becoming a disciple. I'm committed to being a disciple of Jesus Christ. I guarantee you that you're going to face the challenge and the battle in your life. Everything is going to resist it. Everything is going to come against it. Everything is going to fight you in it. Maybe it's an addictive behavior that you have. And as a follower of Christ, you've just decided, I'm just determined, I've, you've made commitments, you're determined that you're not gonna act that out anymore, you're not gonna live that way, you're not gonna do that anymore. You put some boundaries in your life, but then your ex calls and says, hey, and reminds you of who you used to be, and what you used to do, and how bad you were to your children. And next thing you know, you're falling back, back to where you were, back to square one, and you're wondering, and then you hear that little voice that says, see, You'll never change. You'll never change. Or maybe it's anger. As a follower of Jesus, you're determined to stop the angry outburst. You're determined to stop breaking stuff when things don't go your way. You're determined to stop telling people off. And you're committed to that. You've decided, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do that. I'm going to stop getting so angry every time. I know there's anger rising up in me all the time, but I'm not going to do that anymore. And so you're, you're just determined. That's what you're going to do. Right, And then that person who knows, you run into that person knows exactly what buttons to push. And they say just the right thing to you, and man, it explodes. And next thing you know, four-letter words are flying everywhere. Pots are flying everywhere. And then when it's all said and done, they're in the corner crying, and you're saying, ah, I did that again. And that little voice says to you, see, you'll never change. You'll never change. I remember about five years ago or so, I was, um, went to Walmart to do some shopping and pulled into the parking lot. <clears throat> and uh, I was, as I pulled into the parking lot, I saw there was a, a lady who had, or a person who had um, their, their lights were on. They were like pulling out of this one spot. So I pulled in to, like it was up front towards the door. So I thought, I'm going to take that spot. So I parked, I, I stood there in the main park to pull in, waiting for her to pull out. So she slowly pulls out, gets right in front of me, and then was going to keep driving forward. And just while 
she is moving forward. This car from the other side just zips in and took my spot. <clears throat> yeah. Now, you know, I, I should have just dropped it there. Like, I know what the right thing to do is. <laughs> my wife's looking at me like, yeah. <laughs> um, but I thought this person needed a truth teller in her life. So, <laughs> so I, I, I wasn't going to be mean or anything, but what I was going to do is I was going to park near where she parked, and then I was just going to walk by so she could see that who the, who the person was that she took, she stole the parking lot from me, right? The parking space from me. And so I park, and I'm kind of making my way towards, like I'm going between cars to where she's parked, and I see her getting out of the car, and she's a little bit older, and she's struggling to get out of the car. And then it hit me, it's like, wow, I better not say anything, you know? <laughs> it's like, I'm gonna, I don't want to get in a fight with a, an older woman that's struggling. You know, so she, she deserves to be up front, close to the door, more than I do, right? So I'm doing that. As I'm walking by, she makes eye contact with me. And I'm not kidding you not. She looks at me and does this. What? <laughs> like, like, you want to fight? <laughs> and I'm like... I'm, I'm just, you know, in my head, I'm like, I'm a pastor. What, <laughs> last thing I need is some, some news thing out there saying, yeah, pastor gets in a fight with an old woman in the parking lot at Walmart, you know? So I just like, I drop it, I let, go, let it go, and I just, I, I walk into Walmart, you know, do my shopping. And then I, I come back out, and as I'm coming out, I notice that she's in her car, and she's pulling out of the spot that she stole from me, by the way, remember, she stole it from me. She's pulling out of that spot that she stole from me, and I'm walking, and I have to cross... As she's pulling out, I have to cross in front of the vehicle, and I kind of look. I probably shouldn't have looked, but I did look at her. We made eye contact again, and this time, she waved at me. Like, you know, that, the, the one-finger wave, you know, that wave. I, I'd like to show you, but I'm on camera, and I won't. It, and you might think I'm insulting you, so I'm not going to do it. But, but she, you know, she flipped me off, basically. <clears throat> now, I'm a pastor, and I know, I know what I should do. And I know that, that really what I should have done is say, oh, bless her. She's really having a hard day. That's what I should have done. But I didn't. I ran to my truck, jumped in my truck, and like chased her down. On my, I'm tailgating her all the way to Tiffin, and all of a sudden it dawned on me, Rich, are you an idiot? What in the world are you doing? You know? And I just turned, pulled over, turned into this parking lot, turned around, and I'm just repenting on the way back home. And... And, you know, and I'm, I'm upset that I've done what I've done, you know, and, and it's just, it's just reality. Like that should never have happened. Why is it so hard? Why is it when we commit ourselves to something, we say, this is what we want to do is so hard to actually sometimes fulfill it. We're, we, we do everything. We, we try to go with, with what's the right thing to do and we have conviction about it, but then it seems like we just violate our own convictions. You see, it's at those moments that the enemy will whisper to you, you'll never change. You'll never change. You're going to always be this way. Listen, in becoming like Jesus, you need to know that there is a battle raging. And the enemy is going to whisper to you. He's going to, maybe not even whisper, he's just going to shout it at you. you just, it's just going to be the same. You'll never break that addiction. You'll never get rid of that anger. That anxiety that plagues you, that's always, always, always going to be there. 
I love the posture of the Apostle Paul, though. The Apostle Paul, he's, um, he's amazing. And he understands very clearly that we are in a battle. In fact, he affirms that, that this is a battle that we're living. You, as a follower of Jesus Christ, when you signed up to say, I am gonna follow Jesus, you have to understand that you signed, signed up for a spiritual battle. And sometimes those spiritual battles are very evident, very real, and sometimes they're not so evident, so real, but you are, make no mistake about it, in a spiritual war. Okay, Paul recognizes that, he affirms that, but he also seems to believe that we can win this war. Look what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3. He says, we are human, so he recognizes we're human. We have failures, we have weaknesses, we have, you know, we chase people down to Tiffin. <laughs> we're human. But we don't wage war as humans do. So he affirms the fact that we are in a battle, we're waging war. We don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds, listen to this, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. You understand that you'll never change is a false argument? You, you get that? So even this morning, if you walked in here this morning, you had that little voice in your head saying, you'll never change? Just know this, that is a, that's a lie. That's a false argument from the pit of hell. Destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps going, from, keep, keeps people from knowing God. <clears throat> Sorry, I can read, but somehow or another I saw going there. Uh, we, capture, we capture the rebellious thoughts. I love that phrase. We capture the rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. Paul says we knock down strongholds. This idea that you're in a battle, you're waging war. We knock down strongholds. And then he defines these strongholds. He calls them human reasoning and false arguments. He talks about these strongholds that somehow or another they are connected and attached to the way that we think. The stuff that's going through our head. And then what does he say? He says, how do you knock those strongholds? You capture, he says, capture every rebellious thought it's this idea in the original language, this idea of arresting. It's, a, it's, just, it's, it's arresting every thought. It's about, it's about capturing it, handcuffing that thing, wrestling it down to the ground, and making it submit to the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about here. And so in this process of becoming more and more like Jesus, in this process of helping others grow in their faith and become more like Jesus, to become a disciple of Christ, this fourth action is very, very critical for us growing, it requires us to think about the things that we're thinking about. If you're going to grow spiritually, if you're going to mature in Christ, if you're going to become a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ, you have to think about the things that you're thinking about. Paul says that when you do that, when you submit every thought to the authority of Jesus, you will actually begin to tear down the lies that have just plagued your mind. And growth is a natural result of defeating those lies. <clears throat> So our memory verse for this, for this series of Life on Mission this week particularly, our memory verse is Romans 12.2. It goes like this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. These are two important words, by the way. Conform and transform. Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So again, do you see how we're going to this area, this idea of our thinking? Okay, renewing your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. 
Paul says we are being transformed by how? By the renewing of our mind, by thinking differently. I like how the New Living Translation puts it. It says, don't copy, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, okay? But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Paul uses his word conform here. It's this idea of a mold, right? Like you have a, a cake mold and uh, you, wanna, you wanna bake a cake. You make the batter. The batter is very pliable. It's liquidy. It's, can, you know, if you poured it on the counter, it would just go flat. Well, you take this batter and you pour it into this mold and you bake it. And after you bake it, guess what? It, it takes on the shape of the mold. The batter does. It takes on the shape of the mold, right? Well, Paul says, don't let the world do that to you. Don't let the world make you become like them. Don't conform to the world. Instead, he says, let God transform you. That word transform in the Greek is this word metamorpha. It's where we get this, uh, you know, the meta- tra- transform means it's metamorpho. It, well, actually, metamorpha is a root. Metamorpho is a word that's, that's used here in this pa- passage. But it, uh, it's this idea of, of like the, the caterpillar becoming the butterfly, right? It's this idea of transformation. Like it's this mystical thing that seems to happen that is being, that's happening to us. And that's what Paul says. You need to allow God to transform you. So Paul's basically telling us either we are conforming or either we're being conformed or we're being transformed. One or the other. As you navigate through life, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you're either being conformed or you're being transformed. Sometimes it's a mixture of both. But for a follower of Christ, the goal is for us to be transformed into the image of Christ. Either you're, either you're copying the world or you're imitating Jesus. That's really the idea here. So what I want to do is I'm going to give us a couple ways to think about, think, you know, think about, have different thoughts as the enemy feeds us this lie. Hey, you'll never change. You'll always be that way. Yeah, yeah, you went to church. You gave your life to Jesus. That's all cool, fine and dandy. Everybody likes it. But, but really, you're just going to be the same person on the inside. <clears throat> Paul says this, he doesn't say this, but this is what he's telling us. Think progress, not perfection. Think progress, not perfection. Too often we become a Christian and we're, we aim for perfection. Now, we should, okay? We should aim for perfection, but here's the thing. We get so fixated on that that we forget the progress. <clears throat> that word metamorpho in that passage in Romans 12 is in the present passive tense, okay? Uh, sorry to get on all that stuff, but just, it, it's very important for us. The present tense in the Greek means that it's an ongoing action. It continues to happen, okay? It's not, it's not, that, it, it's not that you gave your life to Jesus today and then boom, it's done. It's continuing to work inside of us. Now, the enemy would try to discourage you anytime that you're tempted with a struggle and say, hey, listen, you, 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 you're just never going to change. You're always going to be this way. And so if that's what you hear, if that's what the enemy's telling you, then you need to say to the enemy, I'm thinking progress, not perfection. You see, when you gave your life to Christ, you were perfected. Let me say it again. When you gave your life to Christ, you were perfected in Christ. There was nothing that you could do. There was no, no amount of money you can give, no amount of works you can perform so that you could be made perfect in Christ. 
You are perfected in Christ because of what he did, the perfect sacrifice who went to the cross, was buried, raised back to life again. And because of his work, when I gave my life to Jesus, God looks at me and says, I see Jesus in that person, in Rich, right? But Paul seems to talk about in Philippians, he talks about wanting to achieve what he's already attained. Like, he knows that he's been made perfect in Christ, but he also wants to achieve it. So it's, a, it's this process, right? He knows that, that, and that, here's the big Bible word, he knows that he's been justified. He understands that. He understands that in Christ, he has been justified. That means that he stands righteously before God, not because of anything he's done, but because of everything that God has done. But he also knows that he wants to get to a place of perfection as well, so he's being sanctified as well. There's another big Bible word. It's this idea of process. Look what he says in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. He says, I am certain, okay, Paul's speaking here. He says, I'm certain that God, who began the good work in you, he began the good work in you, within you. So he started the work. That work that he started was that he justified you. You're a Christian. You're a follower of Jesus Christ. You've been justified. But he says, but will continue his work, that's sanctification, until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. So listen, if the Apostle Paul was standing here right now, if he was standing here right now and talking to us, and you were to say, I, I'm hearing these voices that are telling me that I'm just never going to change, that my life is just going to stay this way forever, that everything is bad. I mean, if, if that's what you're hearing, the Apostle Paul would tell you, listen, think progress, not perfection. Second thing Paul would tell us here is think God's power, not my power. Think God's power, not my power. Listen, if you think that you're going to will yourself you're going to will yourself into a becoming more and more like Jesus? If you think that you're going to work really hard to tear down those strongholds in your life, if you think that that's what you're going to do to be able to accomplish, you know that you're losing a, 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 you know that you're fighting a losing battle. In fact, I don't have to tell you that. I think most of us know that, right? How many of us have tried? How many of us have like, we've been like, we've, we said, I'm going to do this. I'm going to live this way. I'm going to run. And then we seem to fall. And we try and we try and we try. I can't tell you the number of times in my office where somebody wants to talk to me and they tell me, Pastor Rich, I've just tried. I've tried. It just seems like I keep going right back to that same place. We can't do this in our own strength. We can't do this in our own strength. In fact, 2 Corinthians 10 tells us we are human. We read this earlier. We are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons. That's what we do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strong. So Paul is describing this war that's waging, and the weapons that are being utilized are not human weapons. It's not your ingenuity. It's not your determination. It's not your strength. It's easy for us to rely on those things. I mean, we're, they're natural to us, right? They're natural for us to want to trust our own intelligence and trust our own abilities to, to fight these war, this battle that we're in. And Paul says, if you do that, that's fine. You can do that. But here's the thing. You're not going to win that war. You have to use God's mighty weapons. And so that word transform, go back to Romans 12. That word transform, like I said, is, is in the present passive tense. Okay? So there's two parts. The present tense means an ongoing work. The passive tense means that it's, that it's not something that you do. It's something that's being done to you. Like, 
when we talk about being transformed, it's not like I'm going to work hard at being transformed. It's like it's more of a posture of God. I'm passively accepting God's desire for my life, God's will for my life. I'm putting myself in a surrendered position, and God begins a transforming work in us. He is actually transforming us. And how do we do that? We take every thought captive. It means we, we pause and we tell ourselves, I'm not thinking that way. I'm not thinking that way. I'm submitting that thought to Christ. I'm submitting it to him. And then God begins this work of transformation in us. So practically speaking, what, do I, what, do, what does that mean for us? Well, I said earlier, and I mean it. We need to eat this book. But not because it's a discipline that we need to have, which I think is, it's okay to have a discipline of eating this book. And again, you know I'm not talking about literally. Please don't go cook up the Bible today. <clears throat> too, too often we can look at the Bible as a God's word, and there's a mystical sense about God's word, but we can look at God's word and think, if I just memorize as much, it becomes a very mechanical aspect. Like I'm just going to read it and memorize it and read it and memorize it and have a good grasp of theologies and doctrines and all those kinds. And those are all great. I'm not bashing anything, but if we miss the mystical piece of it, if we miss the, uh, the piece in which God is actually working through this book, we will actually miss out on the, on the battle that we can win. You see, what happens when we, when we just, you know, read this, I mean, it's, this book is not just a storybook. It's not a bunch of legal rules that you need to follow. This is God's word that's meant to shape you and transform you. This is why it's so hard to actually read this book sometimes. That you, when you're determined, you say, I just want to, Jesus, I just want to know you. And you pick up the Bible. It's like so many things come in the way. There's all kinds of reasons why you won't read it. And the reason why is the enemy knows. He doesn't want you to pick up that sword. He doesn't want you to fill your heart, your soul, your mind with his word. So eat this book. Eat this book. I mean, if you think that it's your willpower, it's not going to happen that way. So that you fill your heart, your mind with his thoughts. You know, we sing this song, that song just Pastor Owen was talking about, you are good. That's truth. That's truth. And God's word reveals truth. And as we're able to speak truth to the lies that are spoken to us, then we begin to actually begin to overcome. So listen, I know, I know that the enemy is feeding you a script right now. I know that even some of you walked in this morning, the enemy's telling you, Rick, you're just never going to change. You're always going to be this way. You're never going to break that addiction. You're never going to stop doing the things that you shouldn't be doing. You're never going to be the dad that you need to be. He's feeding you a line. And maybe you've believed that lie. So I'd say to you, start writing a new story. Start writing a new story, telling yourself the truth of who you are. Earlier we sang the song, Gone. <clears throat> and um, that, the, the, do you realize the truth of that, right? That your sins are dead and gone. Sometimes it's hard to believe that about ourselves, but your sins are dead. And I, I like the, the bridge in that song. It says, I am the righteousness of God. 
And I know that we probably, some of you raise your hands during worship and you just, you're, you're singing that song and maybe as you're saying, I am the righteousness of God, maybe that voice says, no, you're not. <laughs> no, you're not. You, you, look, you remember what you did last night? You remember how you talked to your wife last night? You no, know you're not the righteousness of God. That lie that just feeds you, right? Maybe that's what's happening. And what we need to do is we need to take those thoughts captive. Submit them to the truth of Jesus Christ. Dive into God's word. Let God's word feed your soul. Inform your mind. Change your heart. Listen, when that lie comes, you'll never change. Here's a challenge. Cancel that lie out and say this back to the enemy. I am becoming more and more like Jesus. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. I, you know, I, I had a conversation. Well, I, I've had many conversations with different people, but I had a conversation with somebody this morning, and we are just talking about that. He told me that 36 years ago, 36 years ago, he became sober. But every day, he reads the 12 steps. And he read to me one of the steps. And he says, I read this every day for the last 36 years. And what he was saying was, and he was telling me is, <clears throat> The enemy will want to trip you up. This is how the enemy is going to trip you up. You'll never change because you're not, you haven't achieved perfection yet. You haven't gotten to that place yet. You keep seeing yourself. But here's what you need to understand. And my wife was at the conference and said, hey, take the next step, right? Uh, what you need to understand is that if you just stopped in time for a second, looked at your life, even you right now, and this is an exercise for us, even you right now, look at your life and ask yourself, where was I three years ago? And where am I now? Oh, wow. I'm not that person anymore. No, I'm not where I need to be yet, but I'm not that person anymore. Right? You've progressed. This is how you start taking this thought. I'm becoming more and more like Jesus. And listen, I'm just going to ask you, if you want to become more and more like Jesus, I'm just going to ask you to stand up right now. I know some Stand up right now. That's a, that's a manipulative question because who doesn't want to stand now, right? I get that. And Cedar Rapids, you can stand as well. If you are committed today to say, Jesus, I just want to be more like you. I'm tired of this, I'm tired of this, this pat pattern that I'm in where, where I, you know, I'm trying, I'm trying, and then the enemy whispers in my ear and tells me I'm not going to ever change, and then I'm just back to square one again. I, see, I feel like I'm just going in this crazy cycle, and I'm not really finishing well. I'm not doing things well. I want us today to make a commitment to arrest those thoughts, take them captive, submit them to the truth of Jesus Christ. And the truth is that you gave your life to Jesus yesterday. Today, you are the righteousness of God. Oh yeah, you're not all the way there yet, but today you are the righteousness of God. So I want to pray for us. Pray for us in Cedar Rapids as well. We have prayer teams that will be here left and right. I would encourage you to avail yourself to the prayer teams. First, I want to pray for those of us in this room that maybe you have been battling through the lies in your head. You've been saying, Jesus, I want to follow you. I want to serve you. I'm trying, but I feel like I just failed time and time again. <clears throat> I want to pray for you. On a couple levels, I want to pray for you that God will give you strength to overcome, but also that you'll no longer hear the lie. 
that instead of that lie, you'll replace it with God's truth. And then there might be some of you in this room right now that you've maybe never given your life to Jesus Christ at all. And I'd encourage you this morning to, uh, to just simply surrender your heart to him. Amen. I'm going to pray for you, and then we're going to close here in a second. Father, I just want to thank you for what you're doing here in this place and in Cedar Rapids right now. I thank you, Father, that we are all standing in unison, making a public corporate decoration. We choose to be more and more like Jesus. We choose to be disciples of Jesus Christ. And so today, Father, I just pray for every person in this room. I pray for every person in that ballroom in Cedar Rapids, Lord God, that we would that we would commit to it, Father, that our hearts would be given to, over to it, Father, that we would destroy the lies of the enemy by submitting it to your truth. We will think progress, not perfection. And we will think your power, not my power. Help us, Father, in our thinking. We pray in Jesus' name.